This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Chris Johnson. We continue our discussion today with Judd Saul. He's the founder of Equipping the Persecuted. They're based in Sioux City, Iowa, and his ministry works in Nigeria to meet the needs of people who have been affected by the terrorism and persecution of Boko Haram, which is now uh, considered part of ISIS, he informed us last time. So welcome back, Judd, to Charisma Connection. Thank you for having me back. I love being here. Well, I understand that you have a very sad story to tell us about an attack that happened in Nigeria over the weekend. Would you fill us in? Yes. Um, there's an attack that happened in a village in Kaduna State. Um, in several, actually kind of a, several small villages. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went in uh, at night uh, with uh, guns and machetes and, and started killing people. And uh, when people evacuated and fled, uh, they stayed behind to uh, destroy uh, over 50 homes, hmm. destroy uh, the uh, two churches that were in the area. And then they also uh, found their food supply and contaminated it by setting a lot of it on fire and dumping um, uh, petrol in it, which totally contaminated their food. Which, and, for those uh, who don't know, that's just gas, right? Yes. Sorry, sorry. Dumping gasoline. Sorry. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so uh, we we found out about it. Uh, my guy, my uh, local uh, leader on the ground, uh, called me, and I said, "All right, let's let's get stuff together. Let's see what we can happen." Um, we were able to send over funds immediately to to go uh, purchase supplies. Uh, kind of enough food to last a, a few hundred people for a week. And uh, on top of that, we decided to make a statement. And we said, you know what, um, we're going we're gonna to show Nigerians, we're going to show the, the local government there, and we're just going to show the people that God's church is not going to be destroyed by evil dressed as thugs with guns and machetes. Mm-hmm. And the past, uh, one of the pastors who was wounded um, was there, and uh, we had our team present him with um, bundles of uh, tin. It's, it's, you know, what they have for their roofs in their churches, is zinc or tin. Yes. And we said, uh, we presented him with enough uh, tin to rebuild his roof, and we also gave him money to um, uh, buy chairs hmm. and, um, and, and, Hymnals and things for the church so they can uh, survive again. And uh, they indicated to our team that, you know, people have come in and they've kind of given aid before and they've seen some things, but but not hardly anything that we've done. And uh, no one has gone into a town and said, here's funds and here's materials to rebuild the church. And I'm sure that, with, you know, when an attack happens like this, most people don't think of I'm going to, you know, give hymnals or something to support the church. They're immediately thinking of food, water, you know, the basic necessities of life. So why did you decide to, you know, get right in there and help the church right away? To make a statement saying, you know, the the church is essential and essential is key for, for a place to people to gather. 
mm-hmm. and gather and, and worship God. And these people were attacked. You know, they, they say the government and the official narrative say, well, this is about land disputes and things like that. And that's absolutely wrong. It is it is a radical Muslim ideology that is going and attacking Christians to take their land. It's not a land dispute. It's an ideological dispute because Muslims think they have the right to kill to take people's land. Hmm. Well, and go ahead. So we wanted this. We wanted to make a clear statement. We're rebuilding the church. We're rebuilding the church in that community, and um, uh, people were in tears, and they were extremely. They were given hope. They were given a hope that they thought they had thought they were abandoned. And, uh, you know, we came in at the right time. This is all Lord's timing. Yes. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's making a big difference. Well, that, that is really powerful that you came in just immediately. You were able to do that because of the network that you have on the ground there. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's one of the other things, you know, about the ministry that makes us kind of unique is We've had government officials try to come in and say, no, you give us the aid and then we'll redistribute it. Uh, we, we don't operate that way. We physically take aid and deliver it directly into the hands of the people to make sure that nothing's siphoned off and, you know, and, you know uh, that uh, aid just doesn't vanish into thin air. We make sure it's given to the people that need it when they need it. And there's no bribery. There's no bribery. Hmm. Wonderful. I'm so glad you're able to get directly to the people. Now, in our previous show, we talked about the three phases of your work with equipping the persecuted, um, what you're doing now, what you expect to do in your future ministry. So could you please refresh our listeners on that plan? So the plan, initially when we set up, the plan was, well, well, we initially set up our plan. There weren't as many attacks happening, but there were still people that were displaced with no help or support whatsoever. So our plan is to, one, there's little kids, lots of children with no education in the camps. They don't know how to read or write. Uh, they, they're they displaced. They're, there's no school set up. So what we're able to do is get in with biblical education material that teach kids basic reading and writing and we send uh, someone up to the camp once or twice a week to um, you know educate the kids give them some uh, you know school supplies and we try to teach them how to read and write but we do it through biblical materials Uh, that was our first phase and there's a wide there's a big need for that Mm -hmm. Uh, second phase is is working on helping persecuted Christians that are in these camps uh, to develop some sort of sustained economy or business that they can then generate an income to get them out of their situations. Whether it be help them start up a chicken farm, um, uh, provide microfinance program to give them small loans so they can start small businesses just to try to better themselves or help them um, give them the equipment to restart a farm. Mm-hmm. And, and you are, said are, you said most of these yeah. people are farmers, right? They're from a rural right. area. Yeah, that's most. That's mostly what they do is is is, is farming. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to uh, we're trying to help them rebuild, and uh, you know whether it's even helping them acquire and purchase some other kind of land, and then hopefully a more secure area 
and that's that's the other phase and then the third part of our phase is is a uh, um, training villages on security awareness and how to respond to a crisis which is another huge void that we see out there is that people aren't prepared to handle a crisis right. and we'd like to teach them just basic uh, security awareness skills how to maybe put up a um, you know a secure perimeter you know just maybe a lot more time for people to evacuate just things like this just critical not, right now which is very critical I'm not talking about arming anybody I don't want to start any wars but it's just simple hey here's ways we can maybe protect our villages so we're not so vulnerable to attacks mm-hmm good well, is there a certain scripture that drives your whole ministry or your mission? Um, yes, it's it's in Galatians. And it's uh, scripture that is, do good unto others, especially those that are within the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we we tend to overlook that... And in, in, in when it comes to taking care of the vulnerable, those in need, and I, I look at the Bible in its context, and it's about taking care of those within our own body first. Yes, we and get very would, focused on evangelism, don't we? And then we kind of forget about those who are in the household of faith. Right. And, we, and, and that is something that I think we tend to neglect. Hmm. But, all, but the, what we found is, by doing what we are doing, uh, we present the gospel with everything that's done. When we deliver aid, we deliver the gospel. And we find out, you know, there's quite a lot of uh, nominal Christians or people who probably aren't saved that are part of these villages. Mm-hmm. Every time we go into a village and do this, people come to know Christ. Amen. Well, I notice you do child sponsorship, as some other organizations do. How does that play out in the settings in which you work in Nigeria? Is, is there, like, anything different about the way you handle sponsorship uh, because you're dealing with these internally displaced persons? So there are, there are, other, there are certain other missions uh, that are in Nigeria that uh, some of them have decent Christian schools. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for we, so I work with, we work with a couple schools in Nigeria uh, that, I mean, and, and we're talking very good high level education. And so what we can do is if there's, there's camps near and near some of these areas and for the child sponsorship, what that is, is we, we send some people to go in and test kids to find what their abilities are. So if we find an advanced child that, you know, knows how to read and write and is kind of uh, up to their age level as far as learning, we will we pay for the transportation of that child and cover their tuition to go to a Christian school. So that, that would be like a boarding school then? If it's either boarding or we actually pay for their transportation to and from the camp every day. Oh, I see. Okay. I just wondered about if they were separated from their families to get that education. Sometimes, yes. And, and, the, and the families are very happy and 
eager to give give their child an opportunity. Okay, good. And that's where the child sponsorship comes into play. So we've worked with other missions that are willing to, you know, take in a couple of kids and we've sent people in and given assessments, you know, on where kids are at level wise. And then if we have the sponsorship and resources to do that, then we take those kids, get them out of that situation and put them into a uh, private school. So it's definitely a more healthy situation for them all around. Right. And, and, we, and um, we started doing that last year uh, with two kids. If you, if you go to our website, you, you see the video of two children. Um, those are two kids that we found uh, that were of a pro- appropriate uh, education level, and we paid for them to go into a private school. And right now we're, we are paying for about 15 students. Okay, wow. Yes, I remember seeing the video of yeah. those those two young kids. Uh, mm-hmm. They looked like they were faring very well. Yes, yes, and 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 the the needs are unlimited, and we can only do what we can with our resources. But that was a specific situation where um, we sent a team in to analyze, and these two kids. Uh, had the ability and was and said, okay, would you guys like to go to a private school? And so they get transportation every day to and from a private school. Mm-hmm. Well, in what other ways do you use uh, donations and how do you provide aid? So what we do is uh, as soon as donations come in, I mean, they pretty much go out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, we send we send money to our team on the ground. We purchase uh Whatever need we're, we're filling, we purchase supplies, make sure they're delivered, and um, there's a recording of everything that is purchased and bought, and there's a report given every time something happens. And that's, so that's a, pretty much an immediate report, isn't it? An immediate report. within Once we purchase it, deliver aid, um, they are told to give me a full report within 24 hours of everything that happened hmm. with photo and video documentation. Excellent. So, so you, you I'm can then share that with your supporters. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we share it with our supporters, and we try to do it very timely. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, the needs are endless, but we try to be very responsive and show our supporters, hey, this is where your money's going towards. This is what's happening. It doesn't sit in a bank account somewhere. And our ministry has no overhead. Okay. You know, we don't have any expensive buildings. We It, it is simply uh, money comes in, goes right out to the people that need it. Mm-hmm. And you are leading this ministry. Are you, uh, do you take a salary from the ministry? No, I don't take a salary from the ministry at all. Okay. So it is straight on to the people. Well, that's wonderful. Yep. So along with donations and sponsorships, I understand you are looking for volunteers. Uh, who can help? And, and what do you need in regard to manpower? Well, we are um, we're, we're working on setting up uh, an area. Um, can't specifically say where <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, physically, but I'm looking for folks who would be willing to come out there at some point in time, help us analyze certain situations, and give recommendations on uh, people that like know how to farm, uh, that would be able, be able to train some villagers on farming. Um, or looking for people who can um, 
help us get the word out about our mission. And uh, we're looking for volunteers also and possibly the education sector, people who can um, come down and maybe lend assistance to some of our team members out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as in the States, uh, we're, we're looking for people who can help uh, collect things to send for, uh, for material, material relief. We're working on a, a list of supplies that we'd like to ship out there uh, to give to our team to help them help you know, to help give to camps and have some things that are in house that are from the U.S. that are hard to obtain in Nigeria that we can get to the people. So um, people who would be able to help collect supplies, uh, also people who uh, be willing to uh, uh, help out on our social media. I'm just one guy doing it right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> looking for some assistance on those things. Uh, and then uh, the other other things we're looking is raising funds and uh, awareness about our ministry. So, so volunteering could potentially be short term or long term, depending on what the person does. Depending on what they're called to do. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the needs are endless. Uh, we we could use all the help we can get. No doubt. Well, it sounds like you are serving the least of these, as Jesus called us to do. Would you like to point us to your website, to your Facebook page, where people can learn more and also contact you about volunteering? Yes. uh, To get more information, you can visit www.equippingthepersecuted.org, or you can go visit our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash equippingthepersecuted. And on the Facebook page, we are able to do regular updates, uh, you know, daily with things that are happening and reports and pictures of what we're doing um, on a regular basis. And we're trying to integrate that into the website, which hopefully will be done here shortly. Okay. What people really need to remember is the ministry name, and then they can find the website and Facebook page. And so that's Equipping the Persecuted. And Judd Saul, we thank you so much for founding this great ministry to serve the people of Nigeria who are in great need. And we're so happy to uh, hear a testimony today of how you were able to help them immediately this past weekend. Thank you for being with us, Judd, and uh, we'll see you again next time. All right. Thank you so much. I'm Chris Johnson. Thanks for joining us here on Charisma Connection today. Be sure to check out our growing network of podcasts. And believe me, they are exploding. There are so many different types of podcasts that we have now on cpnshows.com, cpnshows.com. And also, while you're there, check out Charisma Audio. That's where you can actually not just read Charisma Magazine in print, but you can also listen to it as an audio product. And you can sign up for a free 10-day trial there at cpnshows.com or charismamediaaudio.com. So sign up and listen in the spirit today. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.